Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a while Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, FamilyPetAncestry.com. You're probably already there. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song with his wife, Sarah, that you just heard. He's going to sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio, and Vilmos works on JackieCation.com the website. There are many ways to support the show. The Amazon link is one. You can use an Amazon link from JackieCation.com or DorkForest.com to go to Amazon. You order like normal and it supports the show. There is a straight up donation button, PayPal or Venmo to this uh, email address that is mine, Jackie at JackieCation.com, where you can just donate to the show if you like the show a lot. I think PayPal has figured out a way to do a monthly. If you want to go monthly, please do. Other ways to support the show if you want to is you can buy merch. There's Dork Forest t-shirts and all the shirts are union made here in America. So they run a little big. Union Bayside. So if you want to look up their size chart. And then the other merch is my stand-up merch. On JackieCation.com, you can watch me do stand-up. You can look at my schedule and the stand-up merch, a couple of different t-shirts, couple of different enamel pins, and all my CDs and my DVD. If you want to live stream my DVD, it's over there at ComedyFilmNerds.com. They have a live streaming capability, or you can get a hard copy of the DVD on my website. Oh, there are premium episodes at Bandcamp. TheDorkForest.Bandcamp.com has probably 10 episodes that were done live. They cost me a couple of bucks to make, so I charge you a couple of bucks. If you've run out of regular episodes, go over to TheDorkForest.Bandcamp.com and get some more. Other than that, I say this. Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in the living room with my brother. Hello, Philip Cation. My second appearance on The Dork Forest. I'm truly honored. (laughs) Welcome to the show. I appreciate it. You're staying in my guest room. We right, guest I appreciate room. that as well. I sure. just had a lovely nap. Good call. Uh, last time you were on the program, you spoke of uh, Lord of the Rings, and it was a hit. I believe it might have been number one or number two of the fan favorites of of uh, two years ago. Uh, not that I'm keeping score at home, but I believe it was number one. <laughs> I'm going to have a sip of some of this coffee, which means I'll move the microphone. We're going to talk this time, historically, we're going to talk about something uh, that you dork out about in your own mind, the memories. Will you ever do it again is, I guess, my first question. The topic, hitchhiking. Uh, I can see myself at hitchhiking uh, if I was in a boat. I have hitchhiked since the old hitchhiking days where... I was canoeing, and then I had to hitchhike back to get my car. Oh, right, because you had gone down river. rivers go one way. Rivers very much go one way. Right. Well, in most cases, sometimes you can paddle back upstream, but in most cases. but I think ter- it's an analogy for a futility, though, isn't it? When someone say, someone, when you do paddle upstream, that's a an analogy of futility, isn't it? Right. Well, depending on how strong you are, you know. <laughs> right. Or like the old Zen saying, don't push your river. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But Was uh, there a lot of reading about the old Zen sayings when you were hitchhiking? Uh, yes. Talk yes. to me Talk to me about your hitchhiking past. I have one hitchhiking story. Well, two, actually. One inspired by you right. and one as a child. Well, 
you know, I, I graduated high school in 1975. Wow. So it was... It was a different time. It was a different era. <laughs> it was a simpler uh, time. <laughs> but it was also uh, post-60s. Little did I know, the first time I, I hitchhiked anywhere of any, any length or distance, I hitchhiked from Milwaukee to California, hoping to discover the summer of love. Uh, I discovered that it was over. Eight years. Eight yeah. years over. Right. Well, and, and, and really nine or ten, depending on how you, how you really review 1967. But uh, it was an infatuation that I had that started from even before uh, graduation from high school. There was uh, an incident when I was 16 where I ran away from home, stole the bicycle, and joined a carnival. Worked that would a, have been 73. Right. Worked at a carnival for a couple days. You know, I always thought that was apocryphal when people would say, you remember when Phil ran away to join the circus? Yeah, well, it actually did happen. Uh, I worked at a little carny outside <laughs> of uh, Slinger, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. the opportunity, actually, to spend the entire uh, summer with that carny. Uh, one of the local carny guys, uh, <laughs> I remember he said to me, well, don't you want to... Spend the summer with us? I mean, between him and four other people, there might have been six teeth. And he, he just Wait, looked, you had all of yours at the time. At the time I did, still do. Uh, and he, he just uh, looked at me and says, well, you know, the great thing is uh, are the town girls. <laughs> <laughs> and at 16, anyway. Anyway, we'll, I we'll ended moving. up coming back home. But I, I think the apocryphal moment for millions of people... Uh, starting from the 1950s through the 60s into the 70s, and perhaps a little bit now is On the Road by Jack Kerouac. I read that book because you told me to. Well, it holds up okay. It doesn't. Uh, it isn't. It it's hard if you've if you've done some traveling as a young person. Like in the moment, it was probably amazing. Uh, did it blow your mind? It did absolutely blow my mind. Uh, I mean, it was. Did you, more, how old were you when you read it? Seventeen. Yeah, that's that's huge. Right, and it it began this passion that I had for being on. You know, it 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 sort of gave me a intellectual framework or kind of a literary framework for for wanting to go on the road, and it was you know all wrapped up into this whole infatuation with the 60s and with uh with you know popular culture at the time you know which it wasn't just books like on the road or or simon and garfunkel or movies like easy rider it was it was a combination of things it was the attraction of you know drugs uh free love you know going on the road following was it music too were you much into music not really because you know as you recall we didn't have a stereo when we were kids. You <laughs> we know, did not. No. I mean, I never listened to acoustic music until I was 18. And uh, prior to that, it was uh, my friends in high school. It was all prog rock, uh, you know, Genesis, Gentle Giant, uh, Pink Floyd, and stuff like that. The only, when, it, when I hear the words prog rock, I think the band Yes. Yes, I've, I saw them <laughs> several times. Uh, did you? I think uh, one time, twice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, so when I graduated from high school, I was a bit of a lost soul. There was never a, a presumption of college. and uh, Right. I think that they were just psyched you lived. Uh, uh, and, it, and to say psyched. 
maybe yeah. surprised. Well, yeah, there was a, a profound amount of indifference at home as to what what I was going to do. But of course, you know, right from eighteen on, I had to start paying rent. Right. And uh, <laughs> that is uh, that is the Cation way. That was the Cation way. Yes. Uh, so the first trip I took, I hitchhiked from Milwaukee to Los Angeles. Uh, That's bananas, by the way. That's uh, because first of all, th- how long did it take you? Three days. That's not bad, actually. No, it was good. It Where was did good. you sleep? Did you oh, sleep? I I would go with a backpack. I'd carry a tent. Uh, I'd carry a camp stove. I'd carry food. I'd carry. Uh, how did you? How did you? What was your steak? Was it from uh, sell, selling the marijuana back in the days? Uh, How'd you build that first? Uh, the second trip, I actually was the following year when I I, I did sell a a, a big boatload of Thai stick. And uh, is made that a little, marijuana? Yeah, it is. Thank you. And it made a little dough and went on the road. I, I think the first time I went, the presumption was I was going to look for a job okay. and move to California. But how did you afford a tent? Uh, I'm sure, was it a nice tent? No, no, <laughs> that, that came later. And 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 most of it. I mean, I did the the hitchhiking thing. I did from about eighteen years old till twenty six. And uh, got progressively better at it. Uh, it was it, it was a different. I mean, the hitchhike, the history of hitchhiking is. I mean, in the modern era of the United States, is a post-war thing because after the war, you know, you know, GIs would get dropped off in Long Beach or in mm-hmm. New York or whatever, and they'd hitchhike home. And in fact, in the seventies, it was really. Very, oh yeah. They were not given oh, like, no. train tickets nope. or. See you later. So they'd hitchhike home, and you know, more often than not, you know, if it's 1945 and you're hitchhiking home and you're wearing you your know, uniform, your, your uniform or a hat or whatever, you know, and it was it was very common in the in the um, 70s to get rides from guys who would tell you stories about how they had oh, they had hitchhiked how, from how the they war? had hitchhiked after the war or and prior to that, you know, there there was the whole I mean, kind of wrapped up in the whole, you know, myth around hitchhiking is 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 the whole history of the American hobo and hopping freight trains and and right. Know. I think I missed the part about World War Two, the hobo thing. I remember. Right. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, hop. That's something I never did. I never did hop a freight train. It always struck me as I would talk to a lot of people about hopping freight trains. My <laughs> yeah. friend, my friend Kevin, did it extensively. Okay. And. Every time I thought about hopping a train, I would always think, "Well, you'd have to you have to find the right train." And 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 the presumption that it was, you know, like the movie Starman, where you're sitting in a boxcar on top of you know beautiful clean hay and it's lovely, <laughs> was, uh, according to what everyone told me, absolutely not true. It sounded filthy. Right. It sounded dangerous, not just from. The people are associated with hopping freight trains, but also, you know, moving trains and moving parts and all that right, stuff. Right, right. It, it sounds scary to jump on and off a moving vehicle. Right. It, it was something I never did. And when I what I would do was, well, it, you know, start out on the interstate. And that, that was the difference also between what happened in the 1970s versus the old, you know, Kerouac, Woody Guthrie days where... Uh, 
where people would hitchhike across the United States on Route 66 or Highway 2 or... Right, smaller two-lane... U.S. highways. Yeah. Often referred to as the blue highways. Because if you look at a lot of maps, the U.S. highways are are blue. Oh, really? Yeah. What, yeah. what are... what are What's 94? Like 94 what, is an interstate. And that's... In- I-80 is an interstate. I-10 is an interstate. Many of the interstates follow the routes of some of the old U.S. highways... I forty, for instance, uh, uh, follows a long way along Route sixty six. You know, and it too is blue, right? Route sixty six is blue. Okay. But and there's still parts of Route sixty six. And the ten is is it also? I thought it was also blue. But Interstate who knows? ten is is on the map. Is an interstate, but there's also there's a U.S. Highway ten which goes through Wisconsin and, and into uh, into South Dakota. But, okay, uh, and there's a there's a great book which I wish I would have written called called Blue Highways. <laughs> you uh, wish you would have written it. Well, now I can't because some <laughs> other schmo wrote it. But uh, so the 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 whole culture around it uh, was you know hitchhike out west. You know, kind of like Huckleberry Finn. He wanted to light off for the territories, and that's what I wanted to do. Okay, so I would go on the road. Well, initially from Milwaukee, where I lived up until uh, I was 19. And uh, so I'd go from Milwaukee. I'd hitchhiked. I did it twice. I hitchhiked out to California. And then as it evolved into a, a kind of a cultural thing for me, I planned on doing it. You know, I did it every summer for almost eight years. Until you're 26? Until uh, my first uh, child was born. So you and, would hitchhike. From Milwaukee or later Minneapolis, mm-hmm. I guess, um, out to California every summer. I would pick two or three different national parks. Okay. I would hitchhike there. I'd go backpacking. Yep. I would. Uh, so I would decide. I'm going to go to the Grand Canyon. I want to go to Yosemite National Park. I want to go to Sequoia National Park. I want to go to Crater Lake. Okay. I want to go to Yellowstone. Go to Olympic Peninsula, and I would hitchhike there. And along the road, then I would sleep along the road, you know, just in a ditch or under a bridge or something. And With your tent? Uh, more often than not, I wouldn't use the tent. I would just sleep outside. Did you have a sleeping bag? Yes. What are I we would, talking about? I would have a sleeping bag. <laughs> just a loose, I, just you and your shirt. Me and my, no, 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 no. I had my rucksack. I, I would have my books. Uh, and, and it was depending on the trip. I mean, I also used to... Regularly for spring break, I would hitchhike down in New Orleans. Oh, wow. And because I, I like New Orleans, and I would go down there and just hang out for a couple of days and then uh, turn around and hitchhike turn back. Turn around and hitchhike back. And so the, each of these trips would take two or three days to get there. And then. I would usually go from six weeks to 12 weeks. Okay. And. And then where would you stay once you got to a place? Like youth hostels or? No, no, never. Never. I would never stay in a youth hostel. I never had any money. No, I, you know, I had a, a friend uh, from high school in Houston. Okay. I had a friend from high school in um, uh, Seattle. Right. Uh, otherwise, I would just hang out. I would sleep in the park. And, okay. Uh, you know, like in San Francisco. In Berkeley, there there were places to sleep, and then I would just uh, uh, 
you just sack out. You just, yeah, just grab your a, sleeping bag or whatever. Yeah, go, and, go find that. And I had a backpack, you know, and I would keep a camp stove and, and clothes. Did and you cook? I did. What did you make? Macaroni and cheese. <laughs> a great deal of macaroni and cheese? Yeah, a great deal of macaroni and cheese. From the box? Like oh, the always craft? From, always from the box. Yeah, whatever was cheapest because I never left with much money. I mean, I'll give you an example. I went on one trip once where I hitchhiked from Minneapolis to Milwaukee with the intention of then hitchhiking to New Orleans to mm-hmm. Morgan City, Louisiana to uh, get a job as an offshore oil worker. I had visions of being a roustabout. <laughs> and is that what offshore oil people are called? Yeah, roustabouts. Yeah. Awesome. So, so I it's thought a great word. It is a great word, and they are some of the foulest, most disgusting. Uh, <laughs> it was a rough scene. So, <laughs> so, so I left Minneapolis, hitchhiked to Milwaukee, mooched off the parents for a couple days. Sure. It was the uh, had a very ugly incident with stepmother, and uh, had to leave. Uh, suddenly. Uh-oh. And I, I believe I left... What year is this? Mm-hmm. Would have been before you were 26. 1980. All right. something like that. Then uh, I hitchhiked uh, down in New Orleans. So I went from Minneapolis to Milwaukee, down to Morgan City, hung out there for a day or two, realized I wasn't cut out for offshore oil work. <laughs> then I what? just... What, can I please hear the story of how you realized you were cut out for offshore oil? Well, I get a ride from this guy outside of Morgan City, and he's like, yeah, you should come on home with me. My old lady will fix you something to eat. <laughs> that's, how many? That's, that, that's got to be verbatim. Uh, it is verbatim. Okay. I've, I've rarely referred to any uh, any spouse <laughs> or partner as my old lady. Uh Never owned a Harley either. But anyway, I ended up at his apartment, and he was aroused about and I just kind of, the vibe of the scene there, uh, there were a lot of roadhouses, a lot of bars, a lot of prostitution, a lot of hard, you know, bare knuckle type dudes where I was never that guy. Right. You wanted a, a softer, sweeter bunch well, of people to hang out with. You know, it's, I met a guy once down there and I was hitchhiking, uh, from Houston to, to New Orleans and, uh. I was talking to him at a truck stop, and uh, he was he was not a... One thing is, I had a system by... By the time I was 20, I had super short hair. Mm-hmm. I would wear University of Minnesota shirts. I okay. would stop <laughs> regularly. I would go to truck stops, or I'd sneak into a motel and take a shower. I would... You, want, you wanted to look clean. I, I wanted to look like the kind of... And I had a... A very strategic approach to getting rides. I wanted rides from single guys who were going a long way. Okay. And there was a. Did you turn down rides? I don't believe I ever turned a ride down. Okay. There were several rides I probably should have turned down, from you know you know drunk guys who pick you up at three in the morning. Yeah. Or more motorcycles. What? You know. Get on the back of this motorcycle. Yeah. Wow. You and your backpack. Yes. Yes, and I'll, I'll I'll relay one of my good one of my good stories is a motorcycle <laughs> story. Okay, but uh, so but that trip from so I went from Minneapolis to Milwaukee to New Orleans, and then I thought, well, maybe I'll go out west. So I hitchhiked to, to Boulder, Colorado, hung out there for a couple days, and then hitchhiked to Portland, and then went to Seattle, and then came back to Minneapolis, and I was gone for eight weeks. 
Okay. And and keep in mind, this whole time I always had an apartment in Minneapolis. You know, some kind of you know roommate situation. Right. And that particular trip, eight weeks, every single day, somebody either bought me dinner or took me home or gave me money. Really? Every single day. And somebody I, who picked you up. Right. That you were driving with. Right. Either bought you a meal mm-hmm. or gave you money. Or took me home. Or took you home to sleep. Hey, honey, make this kid an omelet. And and then let you sleep on the couch or something? Or? Yeah. Nice. Well, I had a guest room. Or, had a, had, on that trip, I had a guy pick me up in, uh, in Alabama or Georgia or somewhere, and he was from Chicago originally. And he said, hey, I got a place up in the, up in the hills. Why don't you come on up with me? Uh, you can hang out for a couple days. Uh, so I went up to his house. He introduced me to his wife and kids, his brother. They owned the ambulance. So they had a little ambulance company. <laughs> and uh, he was a good old boy. Uh-huh. Uh, he showed me where the fridge was, told me I could help myself, showed me where the beer was, went out in the backyard, came back with a cigar box full of weed. Okay. Told me to be nice to his kids. If I touch his wife, he'd kill me. And, Fair enough. Uh, that, was, you know what that was? It was real hospitality. That's yeah, what that it was, was. It was. He was from Chicago originally, but he was really a good guy. Yeah. And at the end of the trip, at the end of that couple of days, he uh, gave me a ride in the ambulance back down to the interstate. Uh, Do you keep in touch with any of these people? I did with a guy who picked me up once in South Dakota named Carlo and uh, this other German. They're both from Germany. And we ended up going to a Native American protest site in the Black Hills. uh, What year is this? Like 82? No, it was 81, 79. Because you did this till what, 83, you said? 84, 85, something like that. You were 26, so it would have been... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm rounding up, rounding down. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that guy I stayed in touch with because I, my plan of that summer was to hitch out west, then come back, and then go to Europe for a couple months and hitchhike around Europe. And that guy was from Berlin, and I actually stayed with him in 1980 and 1982. Okay. In Berlin. And I hitchhiked pretty extensively for two or three months, four months at a time around Europe. And uh, so I stayed in touch with Carlo. I have not, I, I wish I knew what happened to that guy. We had so much fun. He was such a good guy. My ad, my ad, my ad. I'm about to do an ad. Rangers, this is an ad for the function of beauty. So if you go to functionofbeauty.com slash dork, you get 20% off your custom formula. Uh, seriously, I love this. It's shampoo and conditioner. I freaking love it. I got, uh, you pick, you tell them what kind of hair you have in a hair quiz, wavy, medium, normal. Uh, what things do you want your shampoo and conditioner to do? Anti-age, color protect, uh, strengthen and deep condition. And then you pick a scent, you pick a color, you get to name it. It's all very exciting, but get this. The damn stuff works. It works so good. So what you should know is that it addresses all of your hair concerns, volumize, strengthen, whatever you need. You choose up to five hair goals to add to your formulation. Select your color and fragrance. You can opt out for dye-free and fragrance-free. I did not do it this time. I went with the milk shake. Uh, that's on me. That's on me. It is uh, very sweet. I think next time, and I there will be one, 
I'll be getting, I think, fragrance-free. Or I might go with like a rose or something. Here's what you should know. Function of beauty. Never uses sulfates, parabens, something called phthalates, mineral oils, or any other harmful ingredients because it's vegan and cruelty-free, right? Major drugstore brands are often tested on animals and Function of Beauty is 100% vegan and cruelty-free. Go to functionofbeauty.com dork and get 20% off your custom formula. Now let's get back into the show. Right. You ended up meeting a lot of decent people. I met so many nice... I'm, you end up meeting a lot of... So the demographic for, the, for what I called the good ride <laughs> back then was yes. you'd have to get up early. You want to be up at the... Is at the crack of dawn, which, when, f- frankly, when you're sleeping under a freeway bridge or along the side of the freeway, yeah, it's not that hard to. It's hard to sleep in, right? You don't do a lot. Of- <laughs> yeah, no, I believe you. Yeah, you don't do a lot of sleeping in till you know Nine. ten, eleven in the morning, yeah. right? So you get up early, you get out on the highway, you'd have a sign, okay, uh, and- of where you were going, or well. The philosophy, my philosophy with a sign, or sometimes you stick your thumb up, but my my philosophy with a sign, for instance, if I was going from Minneapolis to Seattle, mm-hmm. I would not have a sign starting out of Minneapolis uh, that said Seattle. Too big. You'd have a sign that said Fargo. Okay. You'd have a sign that said whatever. So is is you want to get a good, you know, two to 400 mile ride. And the way it would work out is in the morning... You would get a lot of single men who would be driving a long ways by themselves, and they'd want to leave early because they had a long drive alone, and more often than not, they would they would take off by themselves. Okay. Because the 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 high percentage ride was a single, actually a single white guy. Right. I remember asking an African American guy down south once when I was hitchhiking, and I said, "How come how come I never get rides hitchhiking from African Americans?" He said, "Son." We don't need to borrow trouble. <laughs> he goes, the last thing we need in our car, the last thing I need in my car is a white kid. He, oh. So so the demographic was how, almost. How did you get his, into his car? We were talking at a truck stop. Oh, fair enough. Got it. And uh, So the demographic. Right. Was single, more often than not white guy, on the road, leaving early, who's going a long way. Right. And uh, invariably back then, you'd end up with a guy uh, with, Going through a divorce, uh, a lot of Vietnam vets. Uh, so they they were just they were just taking they were just driving. Right. They were just I'm gonna go see my cousin who lives in. Well, my house. or they got a job interview and blah blah blah. Okay. And, and I I mean, I, you know, I had a ride once from Lincoln, Nebraska to San Francisco. Wow. That was a long ride. It was it was a day and a half. I I had a ride once from Jackson, Mississippi. I was hitchhiking back to Minneapolis for spring break, and I was walking down the interstate right in Jackson, and this guy pulled over, and this other guy pulled over. They were driving tandem. One had a camper. The other had, like, a, some kind of a van or a truck. And I hop in the car, and uh, they were uh, construction workers, and they were they were going up north. And uh, so he asked me, he says, where I'm headed? And I said, well, I'm going to Minneapolis. He gets on his uh, CB and he he goes, hey hey Wolfman, where's that we're going? <laughs> he looks at me, and goes, we're going to Eat Clary, Wisconsin. He, he looks, is, is that close to Minneapolis? I go, yeah, it's about ninety miles away. <laughs> yeah. So that was a good long ride. That and, is a good long and, ride. And uh, so typically, 
you know, I'd look for a good long ride in the morning, and then sometimes at night, I would go to truck stops and look for rides with truckers. And 95% of the time, a truck driver cannot pick up rides. That's what, yeah. Uh, primarily because uh, in most of those cases, they don't own their trucks. Right. They're employees, and they'll lose their job. They have insurance reasons. They have blah, blah, blah. But... If you hid your rucksack, if you if I hid my backpack behind the truck stop and then walked around and I mean I got a ride once uh, in in uh, Emporia, Kansas, okay, to Phoenix, Arizona, wow, where I was going to hang out with my buddy Larry Sweet. That was the last hitchhiking cross country U.S. Uh, hitchhiking trip I took. Oh wow! All right, so I was playing uh, I was playing Space Invaders in the trucker lounge. Sure. And I was talking to this guy and. Um, and he said he was he was driving these little tiny campers from northern Minnesota all around the country. So he was going to Waco, Texas, and then he was going to Phoenix. Yeah. And then he was going to L.A., then he was going to Seattle, and then he was going back. He actually wanted me to go the whole way with him, <laughs> and I was tempted. But anyway, in 99% of the times, you would. You, you, the other thing about truckers is, you know, the seats that the truck drivers drive are are real comfortable but the, <laughs> the passenger seats are like buckets strapped onto a yeah they're know, not supposed a, to have guests often. yeah I, well some do and, and some drive tandem but mm-hmm. in most cases it wasn't that comfortable and you could never have a conversation with these guys because i don't care if they were from maine or if they were from uh minnesota they all had southern accents you couldn't understand a word they were saying and the cb was on and the tape deck was on and and they'd be, and some of them didn't want you to go to sleep because they wanted you to stay awake, and, and so and do their and help them stay awake, right? Yeah, and that's where the whole experience that six to seven or however many years I did it, I got to really love and appreciate connecting with people and being that voice for somebody. Where I had a, a guy pick me up once in South Dakota, he was telling me about Vietnam and about some of the stuff he did, and it was horrific. Yeah. And he was, he was, you know, he told me, he goes, you know, I can't tell my wife this stuff. I can't tell my kids this stuff. Right. And I looked, looked at him and said, well, you can tell me it because when you drop me off, <laughs> I'm never going to see you again. Right. And uh, it's just someone to vent to, to some extent. Someone, uh, you know, pour your heart out to. And, and I had more, more people, uh, a guy in Oregon once who took me, he was going through a divorce. He took me home. Uh, he, he said he had some yard work I could do and he'd pay me. So I stayed at his house for a couple of days and he was just so broken up and lonely and Yeah. I read him haiku and, and all this <laughs> stuff and uh and it was uh it was a lifestyle that that didn't just pop up out of nowhere. I mean back especially in the in the mid seventies when I first started, you'd end up on on ramps on I eighty or I ninety, ninety four, I forty, I five. You'd get dropped, especially I-5, and you'd get dropped off on an on-ramp. There'd be six people. There'd be three people. There'd be two people. There'd be hundreds of people that were out, you know, you know, trying to find America. Just and going cross-country. and It was it was a romantic, you know, kids with copies of On the Road by Jack Kerouac carrying a guitar, you know, or, you know, and... and there was this whole culture. There were like notes people would write on the back of, of freeway signs. You know, no hope, no dope. Been here for two days. Uh, Bilbo lives. Uh, 
yeah. where Frodo lives. I always forget which one it was. Uh, mm-hmm. But there was a, a culture, and, and I, I just embraced it. It was, uh, I mean, I would bring tennis balls with me and juggle. You know, I would, I remember uh, one one summer, I decided I would memorize uh, 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 Hamlet. And I would read Hamlet standing on the side of the on-ramp out loud. You know, to be or not to be, whether well, too snobler <laughs> to suffer the slings and arrows. And I, of course, you know, nobody would stop then because they go, "What the fuck, man?" Right, that guitar. When 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 you said there was a guy with a guitar, I was like, "Not a chance." That was not me. And uh, no. no, no, you are, you do not play the guitar. No, and and I and ninety five percent of the time I'd hitchhike alone. I mean, every once in a while you end up with somebody. Oh, really? You'd get up in a, a tandem deal in the car, and, and you'd be stuck with somebody. And, and I never wanted to do that. I always wanted to go alone. Well, did you ever feel stuck in the car with somebody that was boring or not interesting? Who or? talked to you about, like, uh, Jesus for six hours? Sure. Well, did that happen? All the time. Okay. Well, and 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 this is a teaser for a future uh, podcast on the Dark <laughs> Forest. I did get sucked into a religious cult on one of those trips. That's where I right. Spent uh, almost a year with the Reverend Moon in the Unification Church, after which... Up Jack, there in the Bay Area. Uh, Jackie's parents uh, had me kidnapped into Jackie's program. Jackie's parents. Yes, Russ's uh, dad right. uh, talked somebody into paying for it. Right. And uh, <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah, yeah it was uh, Aunt Alice, uh, Uncle Harry, and Grandma. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, uh, that, that whole experience of uh, being in a religious cult and then working as a programmer for over a year prepared me that prepared i love talking to people about religion in the car <laughs> uh, if they want to talk jesus they could talk jesus all they wanted i i could handle my own uh, do you do, like to talk to our oldest brother about jesus no there you go <laughs> no <laughs> a I single don't. answer what's the motorcycle story you know we're at a half an hour okay well there was a ride i had once I decided one one spring I was going to hitchhike to San Padre Island in Texas and go there for spring break because I heard it was a spring break destination. And I got there and realized it was a spring break destination for every frat in Nebraska. And okay. it just wasn't my scene. And so then I hitched to Houston. And, and at that point, I, was, I decided to go to New Orleans. And so... Because I was like going to New Orleans. So then I, I got to Houston and got stuck in Houston. And I couldn't get out. And I was in a very, very sketchy, bad neighborhood. There were. You just couldn't get a ride out? Couldn't get a ride. It was like two in the morning. I'm standing on a bridge. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to walk across the bridge. Because I, I had a thing back then about walking across bridges. And, uh, but this was a really long bridge, and I, a big suspension bridge, and I was frightened. And so, <laughs> fair enough. So then, eventually, and and it's like a really sketchy neighborhood. So I think, well, I'll go under the bridge. I'll, it's probably a rail yard or something. I'll just climb over. And, yeah, my days of climbing over fences, uh, long, <laughs> long gone. <laughs> but uh, you were twenty four, uh, twenty two, twenty three. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I was a little more lithe. Yes. So uh, so I climb over a bridge. I'm going and going and going under this bridge. And then I realize there's a fucking river. Well, that, <laughs> so then I go back over the bridge or over the fence. And I'm sitting at this ramp. And a cab driver goes by. And I had like $8. Right. So I waved the guy down. And I said, hey, you get me over this bridge for 5 bucks." And he looks at me and he goes, son, this is not a good neighborhood for you to be in. 
Mm-hmm. So get in the car. So he gives me a ride. He wanted a five bucks, though. So he, he took that five. He, he took the fiver. He gave me a ride over to some suburb. And then the next ride I got was on a motorcycle. Okay. And I'd gotten other rides on motorcycles. And it was nighttime. And I hated rides on motorcycles because you couldn't go to sleep because you'd be You'd be sliding back and forth, and the path for the driver, obvious reasons. The driver didn't like it if you <laughs> fell asleep. So anyway, so I'm driving on this little motorcycle, like a 400 or something. It wasn't like a big hog, and he didn't have a sissy bar. So I had my backpack propped on my back. Yeah, riding along on a motorcycle, we're driving along, right along the bayou, and then he pulls over. So there's this girl walking down the highway. He pulls over, and then she gets on the motorcycle. The three of you? She gets on the tank in front of him. Okay. And the three of us. This must have been, he th- must have thought this was hilarious. I don't know. Oh, this guy's a trip, man. So he. he, he What's uh, his name? Any idea? Uh, no, I, oh, I know. It's but, gone. So, so this girl had a fight with her boyfriend and got out of the car, and then he decided he's going to take her home. Mm-hmm. So he gets off the interstate to take her down this dirt road, and I'm standing there by myself, and he's driving this girl down. This long dirt road to drop her off, and all I could think of is, "Fuck! Don't do anything untoward that I'm going to be associated with." <laughs> right. And then he comes back and gets me, and and we end up in uh, uh, Beaumont, Texas. Look, he wasn't a monster. No, there's no oh, parade no, for that. No, no, no. I'll tell you a, a very brief anecdote. So we sit down over over pie, which was my preferred. Uh, thing to have these people buy me they'd always be buying me pie <laughs> so we're having a piece of pie and then of course this is pre-internet obviously he's telling me about the conspiracies of the jews at one point he says to me yeah i'd like the kennedys and i looked at him and said sir I, th- I think the kennedys were irish catholic right he goes yeah that's what they want you to think. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so anyway, he was a good old boy. and he, But there were several rides on motorcycles. I got one in North Dakota once. And and I, at one point, I tapped a guy on the shoulder, and I said, hey, why don't you let me off? Because it was just not. They're not conducive to hitchhiking. No, well, it's always mean, great. I mean, a short ride. Yeah, yes. it's always great to get a ride. You know, you never turn a ride down. I mean, and there were, there were a few situations where there was a guy once in, in Georgia uh, I got in the back seat of a two-door car, put my backpack in front of me, and I told him I was going to New Orleans. And and as we're driving along, this guy pulls out this big, giant Bowie knife. Okay. And he's looking at his reflection in the in the knife. Okay. And I'm sitting in the back <laughs> going, "Oh fuck, this is not good. <laughs> this is not good." And then he says to me, uh. A couple of Southern boys, they had long, really dirty Charles Manson-like looks to him, man. And yeah. he looked back at me and says, hey, did you want to buy a beer? And oh, I'm my like, God. And I'm like, oh, I don't have any money. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any money. And so so uh, we're driving along, driving along, and at a certain point, we're, we're pulling up to this small town, and I had told these guys I was going to New Orleans, and I, I, I just was like deadpan she said to him i said boys i need to get out right here mm-hmm. didn't get hysterical or anything and i just this is not a place i, 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 I need to get out now I, mm-hmm. I, we thought you were going to new orleans i said i understand that but really can you pull over i need to get out right now yeah so they pulled over and let me out and then i was like fucking shaking like a leaf you know i went into the supermarket bought like a pound of potato salad and ate it <laughs> <laughs> and then the funniest thing fair is, enough 
The next ride after that mm-hmm. is like a family circus moment. These people pull over in a Winnebago. Mom and dad and two, and you never, ever got fucking rides in Winnebago's. Right. They pull over in their, in their Winnebago. I get in their Winnebago. An entire family. Entire family. They give me like a milkshake and they got peaches. <laughs> and, and they're like, Where are, you, are you a college student? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Would you ever have any dangerous rides? Oh, no. They're all like you guys. They're all just lovely. I'm like, oh, my God. This is. Or other, t- you know, these guys pick me up once and I'm sitting in the backseat of their car, too, and they're. We're driving at night, and this happens to be down south. I mean, there are creeps out west, too, but we're driving along. We're driving along. This guy looks behind me and says, Say, do you know Satan? I'm like, no, I don't know Satan. I don't want to know Satan. I don't want to talk about Satan. It's dark. And, and uh, It's in the night. But, you know, as as it evolved, you know, like I'd mentioned, I, I, I did Europe a couple times uh, extensively. I, I hitchhiked for once from... Uh, Brindisi, Italy to Amsterdam with no money and no food. That took five days. Yeah. Uh, but I I got to the point where, I mean, I once hitchhiked. I read The Grapes of Wrath by Steinbeck and decided I would hitchhike the route that the Jode family drove. Okay. And then I would get a job in the San Joaquin Valley picking fruit. Okay. And I would embrace... The sort of working class I moment? would embrace myself in the whole... <laughs> In the whole novel of Grapes of Wrath, I'd hitchhike that route, and and it was it was mostly Route sixty six, which incidentally was the same route that Ricky and 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 Lucy drove, and I loved Lucy when her and Fred and uh, I forget Fred's uh, wife's name. It's a uh, glimpse into the in, into the mind of Philcation, you guys. Here we are with Philcation, who, by the way, is just uh, you're not on the Twitter, right? No, I'm not on Twitter. You, you're you're in the Facebook Ranger page, though, yeah, right? Uh, it's K A S H I A N, and you can look me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> right, LinkedIn uh, on uh, Facebook. You're in the you're in the Dork Force oh, yeah. uh, oh, fan yeah. page, though. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I I did have. Um, if you didn't have any money when you left, did you just like end up cutting people's lawns and? Doing chores occasionally? Picked, yeah, did you I roll picked, bums? What did you do? I Tell picked, me you didn't roll bums. Well, no, I never rolled a bum. I never stole money. I That's never good. I never dined and dashed. Oh, there you go. Uh, I always felt like dining and dashing meant that some server would get stuck with my tab. Quite honestly, people... Phil a good person. That's what people... This is the takeaway here. He's always been a good guy. Uh, you remain a good guy. I, I remember once stealing on the road... I was coming out of Copenhagen. I was hitchhiking to Amsterdam. I had no food. I had had my rucksack stolen. Ooh, we got time for this one? This is a good one. <laughs> I, was, I was sleeping in the train station in uh, Am- uh, Copenhagen, and uh, I wasn't taking the train, of course, uh, but while I was sleeping, someone stole my rucksack. <coughs> had all my belongings. Right. Uh, passport? Passport, plane ticket, money. Everything. I had uh, my sleeping bag and my tent, which I was using for a pillow. Right. So it's a long story, but after uh, two or three hours of going through several stages of grief, <laughs> I, I, had been so hang- I had been hanging out in the Copenhagen train station because I had met this guy two months earlier who told me I could crash at his place when I was coming back from Sweden. And so I, I 
and he wasn't home, so I went to the train station, figured I'd crash there, and then I uh, was decided to walk back to his place. Walked out of the train station. It was about 1 in the morning. Everyone's got backpacks on. 30 feet in front of me is someone, I swear to God, is walking with my backpack. Right. But everyone, and I'm thinking, oh, no, no, you're being hysterical. I right. get right behind that rotten son of a bitch. He had my backpack on because I could see my sleeping bag straps hanging from the bottom. Yeah. So I got up right behind him, grabbed the frame. This is external frame backpack days. Oh, yeah. Uh, my Kelty backpack, which is currently in my garage. I pulled him to the ground and started screaming at him that he had stolen my backpack. Yep. Well, all these people grabbed me thinking I was trying to steal this guy's backpack. The police came. He started telling the police what was in the backpack. Thankfully, as every backpack has a secret pocket, yes, I reached into the secret pocket, pulled out my passport, yep, opened it up in front of him, and said, "Well, look at that, motherfucker!" <laughs> and bam, nice. So, that's that's just the greatest story in the world. I'm so glad you. Why would you have not told this story? This well, is great. I there's a lot of these stories to tell, and uh, and ask any barista at Cafeto, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, it turned out he took my money, which was forty dollars. Turned out uh, Denmark, being a civilized country, he had to be in court within twenty-four hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he said, "Well, he just happened that was his money. He found the backpack in the back." The real funny thing is, I had bought a book in Sweden, and I didn't have much money, so I wanted to get the densest book I could buy so I get my money's worth. So I had bought Moby Dick, and I was two chapters away from the first day of the whale. Okay. He had thrown the book out. And so we get in we get in the back of the paddy wagon because I got to go file a complaint. Yep. And I'm looking through the back. He threw out my stove, my food, and my clothes and everything else. My passport was in there. But I, 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 I'm looking, and I look over at the guy. He's handcuffed. I look at him and go, where's my book? <laughs> you threw away my fucking book. Fucking monster. So then That's I didn't a monster. Have, so I didn't have any money. So then I had to hitchhike to Amsterdam. Uh, or or no, I was hitchhiking to Hamburg because my friend Carlo, who I had met in South Dakota, yeah, uh, he was in Hamburg, and uh, so I was going to go there. Ooh, nice callback. And so I, walking along the highway, I saw Copenhagen, and I cut into this little town, and it was right before dark, and I saw in front of me the gables of a community garden, and the sun uh. and the sun was setting behind. Just like chalice. And behind it was everyone's little garden plot, and it was fall. And it was a lovely thing. I could go from one garden plot and not steal too much from one, but just <laughs> take a pear from one and a hunk of watermelon from another, and then I went and sat out on the road and ate. So, yes, I did steal once on the road. But generally speaking, as far as money, I, I would pick fruit. If I was out here in California, I'd pick cherries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I picked all kinds of different things uh, out west. Oh, like, for, for money. You right. Okay. You know, you do it for a day. You know, you, yeah. you, you make 30. But literally that trip that I initially started talking about was I left Minneapolis to Milwaukee to New Orleans to Colorado to Portland to Seattle and back. I left with $40. Right. And I got home with, with nothing, but nonetheless... Uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, I would go to these national parks and, you know, sneak in and go backpack. and. I think if you walk in, you don't have to pay, do you? 
international well, parks? Well, you get a ride from someone, and then okay. you're in the car, or you, or else you just, you know, I mean, yeah, there were, there was always a gate you could either climb well, under or climb over. Right, but I don't, I don't, I think if you walk into a national park, it's free. Right, but and, the but if you and if you're in somebody else's car, they pay. Right, and I, you know, I would pick, I would pick venues and places that that, or else like, I also, <laughs> I hitchhiked the route uh, that that uh, uh, Robert Persig wrote about in uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle, Motorcycle Maintenance. Maintenance. I never did read that book. Oh, it's, it's Andrew Salmson's favorite book. It's a tremendously challenging book to read and a pretty... Is there a window? Did I miss a window? Oh, I feel no, like I don't it... think so. I, okay. I, I think it holds up. It holds up really well. He's actually from Minneapolis. Uh, the, the Minnesota Zen Center was... Uh, he donated that with the proceeds. Uh, oh, but there's there's a tradition, you know, in in American culture of whether it's Woody Guthrie or Jack Kerouac or uh, you know Zen and the Art or Huckleberry Finn, you know, I mean the the uh, I mean the whole Mississippi River is a metaphor for escape, and that's that's kind of how I looked at it. And the longer I did it, and the better I got at it, the the more I was intrigued with more than just you know, getting out of Dodge, you know, or hitchhiking or, or thinking I, because by that time, by the time I was 19, I, I, I didn't get high anymore. I didn't, I, I had really short hair. Uh, I remember uh, being on the road once and I was like 21 or 22 and I met this kid who was uh, hitchhiking to the Rainbow Gathering. Okay. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, that's past for me. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, when I was 17, 18, the Rainbow Gathering probably would have been cool, you know. Sure. But, you know, it's like the old Groucho Marx line. I would never want to belong to a club that would have me as a member. Well, do you think the Moonies got you sober? Uh, the Moonies did get me sober. <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah, there is that. Uh, the... That has to be an episode. We got to talk about that, because well, that's kind of fascinating. And, and it was, you know, that experience uh, was a direct result of hitchhiking i was i was sitting on the steps of uh student union uh in berkeley and uh with my backpack and a couple people came up to me and started chatting with me and they told me they had a free dinner and i should come to their free dinner right i went to the free dinner and they were real nice to me and i, and I thought i might you know <laughs> you get to meet people and there was of, a there girls were, there were lots of girls and and then uh or women because uh, everyone was 20? Because how uh, well, old were you? You were 19, right? I was 18, about to turn 19. Okay. And then they had a little slideshow about this farm in Northern California. They showed all these people hiking, camping. And then and after the they little slideshow, singing? they were singing and lots of, uh, you know, it was a kumbaya moment. And uh, <laughs> uh, it was a love fest. And then it was like, oh, you should come to our farm. I went to the farm. And it's a long story. And it could be a separate issue. Sure. A, a separate podcast. Uh, right. And and uh, and the details to be determined. You, you'll hear them next time, you guys, when I'm with Phil Cation. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. Two times. One time I hitchhiked. I was about four years old. And I wanted to go to Parkway uh, Pool. And it was too hot. So I stood in front of the water tower, stuck up my thumb, and a guy stopped. He was probably 16. And uh, and he goes, I might have been five. Because mm -hmm. he goes, aren't you Terry Cation's little sister? And I said, I am. He said, why are you hitchhiking? And I said, well, I want to go to Parkway. And he goes, I'll give you a ride to Parkway, but that's weird. Don't do it. And he gave me a ride to Parkway. 
So it was a terrible way to explain how um, I shouldn't hitchhike by allowing me to hitchhike. The second time I hitch, I picked up a hitchhiker was when I moved to Los Angeles. It's 1998. I picked oh, up I picked up a hitchhiker here because of you. Do you remember this story? Because I uh, because I was like, oh, pay it back. Pick up a guy, and I so I pick up a guy, and um, and I gave him five dollars no when clear. when I dropped him off mm-hmm. for for a meal, mm-hmm. um, like a jack in the box kind of meal. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but this guy could not have been more confused why I picked him up, and at one point he actually said to me. Did you want to have sex? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm just picking you up because my brother used to hitchhike all the time. I tried to pay it back a little bit. And he's like, all right, well, you can let me off up here. And I let him off. And I told you that story. And you said, why don't you let me pay back people by yeah. picking up hitchhikers? Well, and un- unfortunately, I, you know, and that's it. That there is no infatuation. There are no, I mean, I think most kids, when they consider a road trip, want to travel, you know. You know, with a plane with their parents' American Express card. Uh, I mean, I drive. I you know, you know, even though I don't hitchhike anymore, I I think nothing of driving from Minneapolis to Montana, from Minneapolis to New York, from Minneapolis. I mean, I actually you think this, nothing of driving from San Francisco to L.A. and oh, back, no, just to visit me. And you you have work here, but you could have flown. Oh, I would have. Yeah. I been, am. It probably would have been cheaper. I do. It probably would have been cheaper for sure. Uh, well, you know, and and it's it's. You still like the open road? I love. I, mean, that, I you that know, and I never see, I never see any hitchhikers. You oh, know? you don't see them. I I picked up a guy a few months ago when I was driving back from Montana. It's for God's sakes, you know, there are places to take showers. <laughs> there, I you know, uh, uh, are we almost at sixty? Uh, we're at uh, fifty. Oh well, then I'll. I started telling a story when I first, uh, when we first started talking about this guy that I met in Houston or in uh, in uh, Beaumont, and he was I uh, was hitchhiking to New Orleans, and uh, he was uh, he says he was a he was a roadie guy. He was a, and you know he was the guy who picked you up. No, this guy was talking at a truck stop, and he's like he's like yeah, man, it's taking me two days to get here from Dallas. And uh, I looked at him, and I, and I just said, you know, you could try a little soap and water. Yeah. I said, you know, I said, you got to look. And he looks at me, and he goes, you know what? You're just a tourist on the road, man. <laughs> and I looked at him back, and I said, yeah, but I'm the tourist who's getting rides. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is that same trip, it was like a, it was like a bookend. I met this guy who's like right out of one of those hobo documentaries. He had a little... <laughs> He had a little suitcase that was like one of those paper clapboard suitcases. Full on square? Full on. R- like square with like hooks? And- yeah. And he opened it up while I was talking to him. And <clears throat> he had his socks and underwear and shirts in there all folded up real neat. And he was a hobo. And he was a guy that lived on the road. He was a, he, he had been Was hop- he clean? Yep. And he knew how to. That he- guy wasn't a tourist and he knew about soap and right, water. Right. And, and you know, I'm just grateful that you know the the uh, the hotel scene now on the American Road where you get the free breakfast <laughs> that didn't uh, that that didn't exist back then right. i might still i, when, I, I might remember, still be on the road yes uh going the, for the waffles the cup of waffle 
It's, uh, I remember telling you about it and you're going, um, you, you, you've been lamenting that that wasn't created when you were on the road for, for decades. Even now, there have been times, there have been a couple times where I've slept. I, my current configuration for traveling is I have a, I have a Toyota Tacoma pickup with a bunk built into the back that's wired for electricity. I can crawl in the back. The real irony back then. You know what else I saw? Hmm. That you have a Delta Amex card. Uh, Wow. Wow, would I recommend you just kind of slide that guy and get yourself into a Hampton Inn. Uh, uh, I will tell you, my flight to Minneapolis and back, Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be sitting up front. Are you going on uh, first class? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind sleeping in the back of the truck. The back of the truck doesn't bug you, but you don't want to sit for three hours. In uh, a small chair. Right. I won't refer to them as cattle because this is going out to the masses. <laughs> right. And the masses, uh, I we're flying coach. Granted, we're flying to France. Right. Uh, so uh, I am sitting. Uh, this is a, a very much first world problem. Right. Anyway. But, uh, you know, right now I have the pickup and I sleep in the back. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, is it comfortable in any way, shape, or form? Well, I'm single. Well, uh, there's that. I mean, the thing you got to crawl back there, and there's all this wrestling match that happens when you're in some sort of weird bunk like. Oh, that. it's not a coffin. There's plenty of there's plenty well, of headroom. Right, you got the you got the cap on top, right. so there's you can sit up. Right, uh, barely. Right, but, uh, you can lay down very comfortably. There's there. Uh, but there's not like you can throw your feet over and stand up. No, there'll be no standing. There'll be no standing. However, it's better than sleeping under a bridge. Uh, you are correct. And sleeping under a bridge is better when the, you need it than not having a bridge. The no bridge? I've Just a ditch? A ditch. Better than a ditch? The, I once spent uh, two days sitting on an island in the middle of the hi- a highway island, waiting for a ride in Cologne, Germany. And I, it was freeways like L.A. And that was the other thing. The other thing I learned about going on the road are, are, are little things like if you're gonna be hitchhiking in chicago for instance and you're going to milwaukee and someone's going to drop you off in downtown chicago at seven o'clock p.m yeah you tell them that way south of chicago that nope drop me off here because i need a ride tomorrow all the way to milwaukee or all right. the way to racine I, I i'm not getting dropped off in the heart of an inner city there was one time i got dropped off by a semi-truck driver right in front of Elliot Nancy's house. In the truck? Yep. Wow. And, you know, Dad used to, me and Dad had a uh, a thing when I would hitchhike back and forth from <laughs> Minneapolis to Milwaukee. Right. Where he would give me a boost. He'd get me all past Highway 100 so I could get started. Oh, okay. Because, you know what, remember when Dad used to love to drive? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I drove with him recently. Uh, it was terrifying. Oh, oh, he's not a good driver, and he's never been one. Well, but he did love the long drive. Yeah, he would give me a ride out to out past eight ninety four. Okay, so I could then have a good pass the loop. Yeah, so because that was always a hassle. Because when we lived in uh, when Nancy and Elliot lived on Seventeenth Avenue and Walnut, uh, they don't live there now, so there'll be no stalking. <laughs> Feel uh, free to go look at the old farmhouse. Yeah, in I South like Milwaukee. driving by it myself. But I would walk up to Rawson Avenue, then hitchhike down Rawson Avenue to the freeway, because sometimes I wouldn't get a ride. Right. But more often than not, Dad would give me a ride, uh, give me a boost. Do you know what that is? That's parenting. <laughs> On the most- it's a different era of parenting. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I don't even know we'd call it parenting. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they were always... It uh, feels like the least he could do. And uh, if there's something Dad does, it's the least he yeah, could do. It, it, it was, yeah, it wasn't like he gave me a 20 after he dropped me off right. either. But, right, uh, there was no cash. But it was it was our little thing. You know, he'd give me a boost. And, uh, I mean, I hitchhiked from Minneapolis. It's like having a catch with him. Right. But it was a boost. Yeah, right. Yeah, we never did play catch. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I probably have hitchhiked from Minneapolis to Milwaukee a hundred times. Yeah. And you've probably driven from Minneapolis to Milwaukee a hundred times in the last uh, three years. Times. Uh, yeah, no, it's... it's. Uh, we had lunch last Sunday. Yes. That you just drove down from Minneapolis. Well, you, you and your fishing rod. So you, you didn't fish back then, right? No, I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't fish at all. I used to go off into the wilderness. I'd bring a copy of Bhagavad Gita and the Bible and maybe Han Chan's Cold Mountain Poems, and I'd go up in the mountains and <laughs> and think and, and meditate. I'd bring a little bottle of whiskey and uh, bagels and yeah. cream cheese and macaroni and cheese. It's a bucolic life there's you were a, living right uh, there. There's a Buddhist term called bodhicitta mm-hmm. about a wandering a wandering mystic mm-hmm. who does good deeds for people. And if you read Jack Kerouac, if you read Dharma Bombs, if you read On the Road, uh, that's what Jack's, in his best moments, that, that's what Jack wanted to be. Right. And, and is that and, what you wanted to be? Yeah. In your best moments? Yeah. yeah. I believe it's, it. It's what I still want to be. Oh, fair enough. Right. Look at your list. You got a couple minutes here. Is there anything that you, uh, any last words <laughs> that you'd like to tell the Rangers of the Dork Forest? We're talking with my brother, Phil Cation, about hitchhiking and being on the road. It's, uh... You see anything on that list? It cannot be understated what kind of an impact. I just recently read a book about the history of the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. It cannot be understated the impact that Jack Kerouac had on popular culture in the 1950s and 60s. It's a, it's, it's a... It's huge. It's a uh, it's a male dominated yeah. kind of obnoxious book in many ways. It it it. How it, does it? Have you read it recently? Mm-hmm. Does it hold up? Uh, it holds up as long as you keep it in cultural context. Fair enough. And you can skim over some some troubled parts. Well, the troubled parts aren't aren't that horrible. But but if you look at at Bob Dylan, if you look at the Grateful Dead, if you look at popular culture as a post war American writer. Uh, Jack Kerouac had a, an unbelievable impact on, on our culture. And, and how old were you when you first read it? 17? 17. I read uh, Illusions by Richard Bach when I, I was know, 19. I know, it was Dad's thing, that book. He has Dad? For, yeah. Dad loved the Illusions? Isn't it the one about the seagull? No, that's Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Oh, yeah, Dad loved the uh, Dad Siegel. loved Jonathan Livingston Seagull? Yeah. This is an insight into Elliotcation, everybody out there. Rangers. Uh, I, I never read Jonathan Livingston Siegel. I read Illusions, and I spent one summer, the summer I worked in the Dells, the Wisconsin <laughs> Dells, uh, believing essentially in the Think System, which is from uh, The Music Man, and was uh, revisited by that woman who wrote The Secret. Uh, Illusions was essentially The Secret, but written in 1974 or whatever. Um, there's some books that, that'll that'll change your life, and that sounds like one that really... Like the Lord of the Rings, that was your previous episode of The Dork Forest, and now The Road. And there was nothing, and not Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> that book's a separate issue. There, there was, 
Nothing more enjoyable than rereading Lord of the Rings while hitchhiking around America. <laughs> it's been an hour, you guys. Thanks a lot for being on the show, Phil. And You're welcome. Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. Right. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?